Hello and welcome to episode 943 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, June 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. How are you? Doing all right. I'm four days into my new workout routine slash diet, down six pounds, though I'm sure most of that is like water weight and stuff like that, but feels good. Like I'm still going, right? Building the routine, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You got to get into the habits. Nothing like that is uh, is an overnight kind of thing. So, you know, good good job. Keep it going. And uh, hopefully, you know, you, you build those habits, get where you want to be. Uh, I know you were taking a walk earlier, so I think a morning walk is a really good idea. I wish I actually did more of that because I feel like uh, getting the juices flowing first thing in the morning is, is always a good idea. I know that's probably why people work out at like 530 and stuff, but. I mean, they're insane. I don't want to yeah, do no, no, I, that far. No, I'm just kidding. I have to do it because, one, it gets way too hot here. Yeah, we and both would have that factor two, like in my, Texas and California. Unless I want to take a walk with my kids, like I've got to do it before they're up in the morning. True, true. So like, that, that all makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a nice day. It's going to be 97 here today, so that's not going to be fun. But uh, thank God for air conditioning. Yes, yes. Same same here. It'll be super hot, but uh, we'll have the air conditioning. Of course, they're trying to tell us not to use the air conditioning. But I'm not going to get into the Texas grid right now. We are going to get into They're telling some... us not to use water. <sighs> okay, don't say anything. Just move on. All right, <laughs> let's get into some news. We got some news. We got some players in focus. We got another game of hold and fold. And then we got a waiver pickup suggestion. Let's start with Jacob deGrom. Gets hurt. Again, leaves with a shoulder issue. Um, almost certainly going to be IL this time. Or has, has he been IL this time? I don't believe yet. Not yet. Probably should be. Did he come back too soon? Uh, should, should, should he have had an eye? Like he's saying, it's a. These are separate things. I'm wondering how, how do you feel about it? Should he have maybe missed this start to begin with to get that extra time? Or is this unrelated and it, it just looks like it's linked because he got the finger issue last time out? I mean, it seems somewhat linked. I, I know there are a lot of people on Twitter being like, well, he should have, you know, not, he should have, he should have, you know, skipped a start. He should have, you know, like, that's really easy for us to say, like, we're not his doctor. Like, we're not him. We have no clue Yes, does this seem linked, but, but like, he's also had, like, these little nagging injury things and then gone out pitch next time and been fine. So, mm-hmm. you know, of course he's going to want to try that. Yeah, hindsight in 20, being twenty twenty, sure, he probably should have uh, gone to the IL or, or at least skipped a start. Uh, but, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people who are out there on Twitter being like, oh, like, you know this is so dumb, you know, everybody could have seen this coming. What yeah. about the last, like, seven times this has happened over the course of the last, like, two or three years for him? And, and he was fine the yeah. next start, and then and then he was DeGrom. Yeah, it, it 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 looks easy now that you have the answer key, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I think that's something that, that people miss. It's like, well, I knew this was happening. It's like, well, no, you didn't. You might have thought it was, and it did, but you didn't know. And so... You know, we'll see. It, it does stink that he's gonna gonna miss. Uh, obviously, he missed this week. Probably gonna at least miss another week, uh, and might even hit the IL. Obviously, there's nothing actionable here. It's just a little frustrating. But here's the thing: everyone's gonna have like a little something 
in terms of time missed, right? I mean, is anybody really going to push well into the 200s with the innings? Like, I don't think how, so. I, there's there's going to be someone who hits 200 innings. But. Yeah, we, so we talked about it. I think we gave guesses as to who it could be, you know, way back in the uh, in, in the winter. Now that we're two-plus months in, what what is your estimation of how many guys will make it to 200 innings? Like, do, do you have do you have a loose count in your head of how many guys you think, and has it changed from what you thought coming into the season? I'm gonna say there are gonna be more guys that make it to 200 innings than I thought there would be. Okay. Um, you have four or sorry, five guys uh, right now with over 90 innings. Now one, one of them's of them on, the on the IL. IL. Yeah, yeah so, but I mean, Zach Wheeler's halfway to 200. He's got 96 oh. and a third. Dude, dude's just putting up huge games left and right. Mm-hmm. He's been an absolute monster. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think anybody who's over 85 at this point can reasonably, we can reasonably expect them to get to 200. Uh, so you got to, that's, that's 10 guys. You have to minus both. Obviously, Glass now, who's likely done, uh, and Bieber, who's now on the IL. But Zach Wheeler, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Aaron Savali, Zach Granke, Garrett Cole, uh, Bauer, Kershaw, uh, and Bassett. And then you got a couple others, like right there. Darvish, Urias, Bueller, You know Woodruff, what's unfair? Nola. What? I mean, of the top 13 guys in innings pitched this year... Uh, four of them are on the Dodgers. I know. I know. Uh, you got Bauer, Kershaw, Bueller, and Arias. And it's like, we know that they're not just going to roll those four the whole way. So what are they going to do? Because they don't have the depth of previous years either. I mean, they still have depth. Don't get me wrong. They, they're going to you know, have guys in the minors that can come up, spot start, and things like that. Is that is that what they're going to do? Like, Do you think all these four of these guys get a slowdown? Or do you think, you know, Bauer and Kershaw are pushed, or it can? Is I it think time each for one gets a way? random IL stint at some point. Okay. Um, outside of maybe Bauer, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised if. I mean, I think it depends on too where they're at in the division. True, because they're not winning it right now. Yeah, I mean, and, they're uh, two games they back. That. Uh, of my Giants, um, I mean, luckily for them, the Padres have really struggled uh, recently, and so they, they've got a little four-game lead on second place over the Padres, but um, my, my guess is by the time we get to August, they'll be leading the division, and I think then you'll see them start to play some games um, and try to kind of... Uh, Maybe it's, you know, four inning starts or yeah. uh, guys Skips. getting skipped or things like that. But uh, I, I doubt they want to go into the playoffs with, you know, three guys having thrown 200 innings, you know, in a, you know coming off of a 60-game season. And then needing to do a full month of, of high-effort playoff work. I think that's a fair point there. Um, it's, it's really going to be fascinating to see because – 
you know, a lot of teams are going to start to be mindful of these these loose targets that they set. You know, we talked about how Milwaukee was open about saying uh, about a hundred innings more for players or for their pitchers. You know, you got uh, you got Woodruff at eighty three already. Um, he's only expected to then maybe double that um, in, in a little bit yeah, more. It's not going to happen. I mean, I, I tend to agree, but you know, it's going to happen to some guys. I think the question is who. Like I, I think I think Woodruff will. I think Woodruff has a chance to get pushed. I think he's got. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think the, Woodruff is the guy on the team where they're just going to let him go. Uh, and Burns missed time already, so uh, that was due to COVID. Yeah, it, but it, I mean, it bought it, him some time off. Yeah, but it bought him you know some time off in terms of his innings. Yeah, the interesting one's Freddie Peralta because Freddie Peralta hasn't been a full time starter. Correct. really before and he's already got 75 innings yeah so like how far do they push him but i think it it all comes down to like every plan is a great plan until circumstances change what you have to do and right now they're 38 and 30 they're tied on top of the division with the cubs uh and i think there is a reasonable chance that a wild card team doesn't come out of the central uh, if both of them are going to come out of the West. Oh, for sure. For so, sure, for like, sure. if they get chance. to the point where, you know, it turns into a two or three, you know, team race in that division um, and they're fighting for it, like, you're not going to shut your guys down. See, that's what I tend to think as well. I, I wonder if this is going to make for a more active deadline with middle and, and back end starters, too. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to pick up some guys. So, you know, we're going to get, you know, I, I, I go to my Tigers, A, because they're they're an open trading team. Why wouldn't they be? They want to get anything they can. But they also have starters they can move. Um, I know Turnbull and Boyd are on the IL right now, but if they're back in time, they both become viable. And I think a team might be like, throw in Jose Urena. Yeah, he's got a 5-16 ERA, but we need somebody who can maybe eat some innings here in the middle. So I wonder if we'll see, you know, those those extra fourth and fifth starters like, tossed into deals add maybe the returns get a little better for these teams trading this year because they're giving volume to teams. Um, and I, I think, it, I think it's going to be interesting because the Tigers have guys they can trade. Even the pirates, another, uh, you know, bottom feeding team, they've got some guys that can trade. Why wouldn't they trade Tyler Anderson? Yeah. Um, we could see like know. Merrill Kelly in Arizona get moved. You yes. know, he's in spite of not pitching this particularly well, he has thrown 78 and a third Mike minor, Another guy, you know, in Kansas City that could easily uh, get moved uh, at some point here. For so, sure. And, you know, and I think those are going to be the the big targets here of guys that can actually get some innings. And we'll see how they get spread around the league. I wonder if somebody's going to make a move earlier uh, to kind of start their innings management so that they have their best guys down the stretch. So that started as a DeGrom conversation and it, it meandered into that because it's, it is really interesting. And I think it's going to create a pretty crazy summer in addition to obviously everything going on with the, uh, with the sticky stuff debate, but let's talk about some, uh, s some youngsters, one up, one down here, Matt Manning debuting on Thursday against Shohei Otani for my Detroit Tigers. I'm very excited for this. Just in that he's coming up, not so much that I have massive expectations off the top here, because he had a really weird season in AAA so far. 32 and a third innings, great core skills, 25% strikeout, 7% walk. But Justin, Manny has a 3-1 homer per nine. 
which led to an 807 ERA. I, I mean, I'm glad they're going to give him a shot here, but like, what, what, what do you make of this with these bad numbers? And obviously it's a big home run issue that if, if they have an, a plan of attack for it can greatly alter his numbers. He never was a home run problem before this. What are your expectations of Manning both tonight and and longer term the rest of the season here? Yeah, you could not pay me to start him tonight. Um, no chance. No chance. So, like, even if you use like XFIP, which helps kind of neutralize home runs, like it's still four thirty seven. Yeah, uh, because I mean, still a high hit rate too, eleven point mm-hmm. three hits. So you can only go so far there. Like I said, I like the core skills for Manning, but that that home run rate is that's wild justin i don't think i've seen something like that from a top prospect yeah it's his uh lowest ground ball rate since he was in rookie ball in 2016 um fly ball rate is the highest since he was in low a in 2017 uh yeah i think this is gonna be uh i think this could be really disastrous i mean he's got a ton of talent um you know we grade him out with you know two 60 grade pitches uh, and then like a 50 grade changeup, uh, you know, the command, we'll, we'll see where it's at. I think that's going to be a big question, probably what has been his biggest issue uh, in the minor leagues. Um, it's so hard because, I mean, in years past, we've been very much like, oh, go get these minor league guys, go get these minor league guys. And some of them have worked out okay, um, but it hasn't been like the big name guys. Like, the big-name guys have been the ones that have really struggled uh, and kind of taken us back to, you know, the land before Juan Soto where, (laughs) uh, you know, prospects struggled in their, you know, first go-around because baseball is hard and you're playing at a level that uh, is very, very uh, good. Um, You know, so, like, Jackson Kowar has struggled, you know, Jared Klenick. Uh, he struggled uh, mightily uh, in his first go around. Daniel Lynch, Daniel uh, Lynch, Coar's teammate. Mm-hmm. Logan uh, Gilbert was yeah. not uh, was not great. Yeah, he's we, turned it, it around has, though. He yeah, he has. He's looked really, really good. St- sticking with him has has benefited people if they did that. Um, but yeah, like for call ups, it hasn't been a great year. There's some great rookies going on that uh, started the season with their teams because they even pitched last year, but they're rookie eligible. Like, you know, Trevor Rogers has been excellent. Ian Anderson's still good. Um, but guys that have come up this year, it's been, it's been, you know, pretty mediocre overall leaning bad, really. Um, so we'll see what happens with Manning. I, I, I agree. Do not start him here. I, I think you still go for a guy like this and, and you continue to go for these rookies though, because, the previous ones not hitting doesn't necessarily make me afraid of the ones coming up, right? Like they're not linked in any, in any real way. So I'm still going to assess them as their own player. And I'm going to, you know, watch Manning tonight, see where he's at and make an appropriate bid for, for Sunday. If it, if it merits that obviously if he gets crushed, I'll pass. But uh, if he, if he looks all right, I, I think I think a, a reasonable bid can go out there for Matt Manning. I will say, allowed three homers in each of his first two starts and then has allowed three in his last four starts combined. So, you know, has tamped down the homers after a really brutal start. But two of those three starts, even though they only came with one homer, were six and seven earned 
in under four innings. So the bottom line is even when he wasn't giving up homers, Matt Manning wasn't particularly good. It's been a real mixed bag uh, at the minor league level. Not not sure we can take anything from it. We just got to see where he's at tonight against the Angels. How, uh, how soon is Turnbull supposed to be back? Because I know he is working his way back. Um, yeah, I was expecting him back in, in relative short order, maybe a couple weeks. Okay, because, I mean, that, that'll determine how long he's in the rotation for, more than likely. I mean, and then if, but if he performs, I think he'll stay. And then Jose yeah. Urania is the one who gets is bumped out. So they, this is showing a lot of confidence in him, I think. To have that kind of home run rate and, and thus ERA and whip and still get the opportunity says to me that they've seen some things in these last few starts when he hasn't been giving up multiple homers. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you a shot on the big stage. And here's hoping but again don't put this in any of your lineups you're you're just asking for trouble at that point uh ryan weathers speaking of rookies was optioned out now is this uh innings protection or just innings protection (laughs) i mean yeah he's a 247 era 104 whip i can't really make up anything else uh is he just gonna go park in the minors for a little bit in the bullpen or what 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 are we doing here because it's obviously not performance related yeah, I mean, my guess is it's innings. They're just trying to, uh, I mean, it's not like he's not going to pitch in the minor leagues. Like, why not just shorten his outings? They've already been, well, like four innings, most time, three, four, five innings. Like, just shorten how many batters he faces in the in majors. The majors you're like, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it's not like they've got a huge amount of depth, especially when they've been running a six man rotation. Uh, and they've it, lost so many pieces. Like, just have them piggyback with Denelson Lamette. Lamette, yeah. Like, it seems weird to waste bullets in the minors. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't necessarily understand this. I don't think it is a service time thing because uh, he's not the kind of prospect you do that with. Um, and... No, I think it's just to massage the the innings count to get him through the year. But yeah, they could have done that so in major league I mean, lower stress in the minors. They can they can park him there. You know, he can have literal week to ten days in between outings. It's easier to do that sort of stuff, which I guess if if, if he's on a regular routine in the minors, then I really don't understand this move. If it is to have like a disjointed, you know, kind of stretched out period here, like maybe for a month he only pitches like three, four times then I'll understand it for Ryan Weathers. Because that's the only thing I can see here is that they want to put him in a uh, you know less competitive state so that they can maneuver these innings. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you just keep these innings in the bullpen of the Major League squad? Yeah, I mean, because if you go and look at just their IL right now for pitchers, it is gigantic. <laughs> like, they just don't have the depth right now. And they're struggling. Like... Yeah. This guy has been really, really good for you, uh, and now and you guys are six games back of the Giants, four games back of the Dodgers. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't understand this move. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I, but I assume it's it's workload related. Let me ask you this: You're going to go pick him up in leagues where Weathers is going to get cut, and try to ride it out. I mean, if I if I've got a league where I don't have a ton of injuries, sure. 
but how many leagues do you not have a ton of injuries right Exactly. Now? So it'll be tough. Like, I've, I've get... got a main event league that, like, you know, I just got Zach Gallen back, who we're going to talk about here next. Um, and, like, that was my only injury. Um, oh, that's nice. Uh, oh, like Kyle Tucker just went on COVID restrictions. But that's that's it. Like, that's really and so, like, that's a league in which I can go, okay, um, yeah, maybe I'll drop... Uh, you know, maybe I'll drop whoever my streamer was this last week, Jake Arietta. Thank, thanks a lot for nothing, buddy. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'll uh, and I'll go and pick up uh, uh, pick up weathers, pick yeah. up weathers, and and see, you know, because he's been really, really good, and I think underrated how good he's been. I agree, I agree, and and but I also understand that people are going to have a crunch, and they're not going to be able to hang on. Um, in, in some leagues, so you're going to see some weathers popping up. Yep on the on the uh, on the waiver list, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, for Let's for some people, that. this is bad weathers. You have to leave. You just <laughs> have to leave. I, I just channeled Jeff Erickson right there. I liked it. I, I'm, right. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, Zach Gallon is back. You mentioned him coming back today. And here we go again. You know, this is uh, it's been an interesting year, right? Well, you know, he had the big injury scare, tanked his price. Everyone was scared. I think, understandably, those who bought in, handsomely rewarded. He comes back. He's been excellent, but gets hurt again. He's been out for a little bit now. And here, here we go. Uh, he missed um, just over a month. Yeah, May May seventh. So a month and ten days. He's back. Do we get uh, do we get a healthy gallon? I know you can't actually predict this, but I feel can't. Like we, no. we can get a healthy gallon the rest of the way here, or, or you, see, you see another IL stint at some point. Oh man, I mean the elbow is always tricky, right? Um, yeah. I'm. My feeling is probably not that this this feels like a ticking time bomb, but like. What can you do? You have to just roll him out there and oh, for hope sure. for the best. Like even he's been excellent when he does pitch. Exactly. I mean, three hundred four ERA, thirty-two strikeouts in twenty-six and two-thirds for Gallon in the five starts that you've gotten so far. Yeah, so I mean, you're just hoping that anything is, uh, you know, anything you get is just kind of gravy um, at this point. Um, hopefully, you know, I mean, in, in leagues where you drafted early and he's your number one or number two. You're just praying that he can keep it together. Um, but hopefully you're one of the, you know, if you've got him, you're one of the guys that uh, got him, you know, either late because of, uh, you know, the injury early um, or you picked him up off the waiver wire, which I'm sure some people did in leagues. Oh, for sure. For uh, sure. I know you were a late buyer. Mm -hmm. You bought him. I was an early him. and a late buyer. Yeah, I, I was an early one in the one league where I got him. And you know, obviously, he's been good. So I'm gonna gonna get gonna get him right back in there, and we'll see what happens. Hard to predict exactly where he's gonna go, but uh, you know, what what a huge add to people if they if they can indeed get him a, a situation where we we have a consistent Zach Gallon for a little while. So uh, that'll be great. Gene Segura goes to the IL with a groin injury. Main reason bringing this up, you're hanging on to him, right? He's been. Quietly, really good. He's been great. Yeah, um, just making sure people don't. Uh, I, I don't think they would. Three thirty-two average, three homers, six steals in six tries. I think you know automatic, 
automatic hang on. Yeah, and this doesn't him. seem like it's uh, a major injury, grade one uh, groin strain. So, uh, I mean, hopefully he's not out for too long. I mean, it, it seems like it's a lot better than the initial reports. You know, uh, like the interview with uh, their manager, like after the game when he did it, was like, oh, this, yeah, this, this doesn't seem good. We're really, really concerned. I'm like, oh, God, is he going to be like missing a month or two? Yeah. So it doesn't seem like that's the case. So I think you've got to hold on to him. He's just been way too good. Uh, expected to miss three weeks. So, okay, bit, bit, so. you know, it's, it's a bit impactful, but uh, I think you got to ride those three weeks so out. So pretty much you're just, it's all-star break. And anybody yeah. who's missing two or three weeks right now, it's you're you're waiting till after the All Star break. Correct. It just makes sense to give that extra time. So, sucks to lose him. Uh, he's been great, but you get him back second half, and and Segura's been awesome there. Byron Buxton's rehab has been slowed due to the fact that like he can't slow down or whatever. He's still having those <laughs> like deceleration issues that you know are him and me causing both. him. Uh, yeah, you're just getting too fast with the uh, with, with the workouts you've been doing. Um, yeah, the hip. It's just, it's causing this resistance, and he's just not where he needs to be yet. So we got teased with the uh, with the rehab games that we got, but he's still sore. And this is more of an update than anything I'm asking you, because obviously we're just playing wait and see here. No chance you'd cut him, right? I mean, obviously you cannot, especially because we're on the cusp of a return. But how frustrating is it to have Buxton on your team? Oh, it's so frustrating. Right who's, who's more frustrating, Buxton oh, I, or Mondesi? Um, probably Mondesi because at least you've gotten really, really good work out True. of Buxton. How cool is it to have both so on the far? Team, which I absolutely do. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, at least you've gotten. I mean, he would hit nine home runs for you, stole five bases. Buxton did. With a 370 batting average. So, like, you've gotten some goodness, some greatness from Buxton. Uh, Amondesi, you've, you know, gotten very little. Uh, And has Amondesi even stolen a base? I I don't know, but. I think he's probably got like one. He returned this week and hit a homer, and I I didn't have him in for that. So, I don't even have all of his production. That's the most frustrating part about these guys, right? It's like the most frustrating part about Zach Gallen is like, oh, like we saw the active, we did not see the activation, like no. it like it came out of nowhere, like so, like oh yeah, of course he's just sitting on all yes, of my benches. Like, same, I, I um, the one like I said, I have him in a league. I, I never, I did not know he was on, uh, on the return train. I I didn't either. Otherwise, I mean, he's my SP three in my main event. Um. And like I was like, oh, that'd be an amazing SP three because then I yeah, wouldn't that, have needed to start shaking. That'd be nice week. to have, but uh, but no, no, you don't you don't get that. So yeah, Mondesi has one stolen base so far, three home runs, hitting three forty five. Um, but I mean, it's it's eight games, so hopefully he can stay healthy. But yeah, hopefully we get Buxton back sooner than later. Um, he was having an MVP caliber season. But just wait. You just got to wait a little bit longer. All right, let's move on. Let's put some players in focus here because uh, they're doing some big things or on on the return trail to try to do bigger things. We're starting with somebody who's been killing it, Brandon Crawford. A lot of Giants love this year. Your team's been awesome. You know, we talked about uh, Sam Long the other, the other day as one of the bigger waiver pickups of the week. But Brandon Crawford's been one of the bigger waiver pickups of the season because he was not getting drafted very much. Um you know, reserve pick in some leagues, but an afterthought for sure. 
even with a decent 2020, nobody was like, ooh, let me get on the Brandon Crawford train. But like Posey, <laughs> he's found the fountain of youth and, and Longoria before his injury. He has 15 homers. Justin, he also has four steals. Um, the 249 average is whatever. It's, you know, it's about league league average for, for fantasy purposes. It's it's fine. It's not great. But you're looking at the 15 and four here with 44 ribbies and 37 runs. Crawford's been an absolute stud. What do you make of it thus far, and what, where does it go from here? Can he maintain a – is he a top 10 shortstop the whole way? By the way, this only puts him 10th. I think that speaks to the depth of shortstop because I would have thought he was higher. But guys like uh, Chris Taylor, who's been excellent, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa sneak in ahead of him, and then Crawford there at 10. So, yeah, what, what, what do you make of him thus far and then rest of season? Uh, I don't know how he's doing this. And that's saying something because I've I've probably seen just about every game he's played this year. Uh, not much is different necessarily. You have to wonder if this is a very similar situation to Buster Posey, in which he got healthy because of the shortened yeah. season last year. Well, and then Posey took it off too, so he yeah. had the extra uh-huh. like, hey, I'm just taking the full recharge here. But with Crawford, you know, but, I mean, he's smacking the piss out of the ball. But like his contact skills are either around the same or actually worse mm-hmm. than they have been previously. Uh, you know, the max exit velocity, the average exit velocity, all kind of in sync with where they've been in previous years. I mean, he's just yeah, barreling that it barrel is what rate, it is. Though. The barrel rate and the hard hit percentage are the two things that have gone up dramatically. That being said, uh, he's doing a lot of the work on the road, and he's really struggling against uh, left-handed pitching. Um, so like I, I expect this to come back down to earth, uh, but at some point you just ride the hot streak a little bit. Though I mean, it he started to cool off. He's hitting two thirty-three over the month of okay. June. But that's not the so, end of the world. The power's still there. But I mean, it, I, I'm sure I could go back and look at all the projection systems. I bet you no projection system had him for 15 home runs this year. No. I mean, he's only gotten to 15 home runs once before he had 21 in 2015, and he's never hit above 14. Yeah, before that Crawford that. has 15 already is insane. And I it's I don't think it's getting it, enough it, attention. It's the most home runs by a Giants player this early in the season since 1901. Wait, even more than Bonds? With Barry Bonds, Jeff Kent, Willie Mays. Like, like, yeah, he's been on an insane tear, and there's no way it's sustainable. But as a Giants fan, I'm loving it. He's also lifting the ball a lot more. 10-point jump in fly ball rate from 35 to 45. Easily a career high. He's a career 34% fly ball rate. So he's putting the ball in the air and smacking the piss out of it. Um, so I think there's some viability to this with Crawford insofar as uh, I'm getting another double-digit home runs, I think, the rest of the way, at least, right? At least another 12? Um, I'd say another 10... I think if we start if we, if we put like the over under on it, I'm gonna put the over under on like twenty three and a half. 
Yeah. I'm going to go over. That's only eight. Eight and a half. Yeah, I'd probably go over. Two. Yeah, he's going to get to 25 home runs for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I think 25 career. needs to be the over under, and you uh, go from there because, I mean, even if the average comes down a bit, uh, even if he is, you know, more of a 230s guy the rest of the way, and even if you smooth out the homer to fly ball, uh, 23% looking really sharp right now, the fact that he's going in the air so much more for Brandon Crawford makes me think he's going to get. But it's it's not so much in the air, too. I mean, it, he's got, like, the perfect launch angle for this new ball. So we've seen, like, a lot of these guys who really loft the ball and have, like, these, you know, launch angles of 20 uh, degrees, like, you know, fly yeah. out a lot, right? They're, they're, they're warning track balls because of the way the ball is working through the air. Um, he's, you know, a 14-degree launch angle guy. And because he's hitting the ball Lasers. hard with that kind of line drive launch angle that works better on this new ball, I think, yeah, I think it may be more sustainable than maybe I'm giving him credit for. And, yeah, maybe he is a guy who can hit 25-plus for the whole season, so another 10-plus. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I, I think he's going to – he's got a chance to chase down 30 if he stays healthy. Uh, Brandon Crawford, you know, that's he, – he's, he's pretty good at, at staying on the field. Um even even at age thirty four, I think you know he can push a hundred and fifty games, and that will get him there. Uh, let's see, they've played, y'all have played uh, sixty six, and he's played sixty of them. So you know he's, getting, he's gotten some time off, but I think he'll end up with at least a hundred and fifty games, and I think that'll be twenty five plus homers for Brandon Crawford. So great work if you picked him up, and even better work if for some reason you were in on him. I don't know why you were, but panned out yeah i mean the four steals are wild too what what's up with that he's four for four on the basis that's the i'm like what you might not get yeah, another one I though mean, that's, that's the volatility and weirdness of steals though like you can't do anything with steals paces for guys like this because i have no idea why he all of a sudden has four yeah the giants have been a little bit more active on the base paths this year than they have in, in recent years so like middle of the pack in the league in terms of stolen bases uh, so it just may be a matter of the team as a whole are, are running a little yeah, bit more. He's, he's getting some residual uh, there. And I mean, like I said, like I think he's definitely healthier than he has before. I don't know if we can attribute it to the shortened season last year or if it's just, he's, you know, having a healthy year so far, but he looks as healthy as he's yes. ever looked. I mean, you can see it when he's playing defense, like his defense is back to being elite Brandon Crawford. Yeah. Defense. It's fun watching uh, B. Crow. I've always liked him and he's, he's a good player. Good player. All right. Let's talk Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you know, we talked, mentioned on Twitter, I think we talked a little bit on the pod about, you know, the, the scoping and the Uptoning when, when Jonathan scope and, and Justin Upton, you know, they, they have these periods, there's these certain guys, you know, Jock Peterson gets, gets locked into them and Schwarber does too. And these guys all have kind of a similar profile, right? It's like a, it's, you know, power focused. It can be an all or nothing type of deal. And when they get locked in for, you know, four to six weeks period, four to six week periods at a time, they're, they're transcendent for that time. But then the downtime is like, well, how are they in baseball? So you look at uh, Schwarber, you know, 619 OPS in April with just a couple homers. He's got 11 homers since then, and he's been on fire. And what he's really taken to 
is uh, leading off with Washington. Something that I'm pretty sure he did in Chicago, too. That's definitely like a Joe Madden move. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a little bit of experience doing it. But you look now, 35 games, 256, 349, 536 with 11 homers for Schwarber. That's a 51 homer pace in this time here. Really started to turn in mid-May, and he's been on fire. Is this just a a Schwarbering, uh, you know, a hot run, or is this something more that can uh, that can hold a bit more consistently throughout the rest of the year? I think this is a Schwarbering. Um, I, I mean, he's still striking out quite a bit. Uh, like the, the the underlying skills haven't changed. He's not making a ton of like zone contact or anything. He's still swinging outside of the zone. His swing strike rate since like uh, May 29th when he had uh, a home run in the doubleheader uh, is 15%. Like he is who he's always been. Um, It's just the ball is going over the fence a little bit more. And I think we're going to see, we're going to see like, you know, as things heat up around the country that, you know, guys are doing a little bit better and, I'll be interested to see like what kind of effect guys like Schwarber get from the change in pitchers being able to use sticky substances. Yeah. Because you know, if they're not able to control things and command things as well, like his walk rate, like in OBP leagues, he's gonna be a monster. Yeah, oh yeah, double digit walk guy uh, forever. Uh, always has had good control of the zone. Schwarber knows what he's doing up there. Um, the swing and misses. Yeah, everything you're talking about with regards to his core skills looking like Schwarber's core skills. It's just that the you know he's hitting his homers. I agree. It's a Schwarbering, so it's a great run. He'll smooth back out, and you know in in a lot of seasons you get like a second Schwarber Schwarbering. You know that's how you get 38 homers. Is like he has two big runs, and uh, you know you got to kind of weather. But that's the beauty of Roto is you set it and forget it. And I do, I do think Schwarber is somebody that you that you do that with. Maybe you see four or five lefties on the ledger, you can take them out. But for the most part, I just if I draft a guy like this, he's you know what like a fourth outfielder type, third outfielder, and you just put him in and you leave it. You get your thirty something homers and you head out. Yeah, I just uh, you know for those of you who are in on base percentage leagues and you've got Schwarber, you don't necessarily have to take him out against lefties. He's got a 17% walk rate. Ooh, yes, that's a true set it and forget it then. If you're an OBP. Yeah, his on-base percentage versus lefties is 371 versus righties is 296. Holy crap. Yeah. That's shocking. That's really so shocking. So, like, in average leagues, you definitely want to get him out against lefties. Because in 218, I think he's only got one of his home runs against left-handed pitching. Yeah, one of his 13 home runs against left-handed pitching. So, like, this is, like, the real, like, these are the kind of players, like, with real big distinctions between average and on-base percentage leagues. You really want to look at, like, okay, versus a lefty, he gets super, super yeah. patient because he knows exactly, he it, it, Probably to the point of passivity, which we, we've talked about, that, that breaking point there of where you go from patience to passive. And uh, I think there's definitely some of that, like you said, because he, he can't hit them. So he's like, well, I'm just going to ride this out and see if I can get a walk. So. Schwarber's been good. Obviously, been picked up in the leagues where he is available. Some of the shower leagues, he'll he'll pop up on the wire when he's in a downturn, and then you you jump on him. But uh, I I say just ride this out. I just wanted to talk about what he's been doing though, because he has taken to that leadoff spot recently and been pretty good. Is last question here before we move to our next guy? Is there any hope for this uh, Washington offense to have like a a summer surge in your eyes at all, or, or are they just not good? 
I think there is because that division is like completely up for grabs. Like, I mean, I, I know that they're 30 and 35 and they're seven and a half games back, but like the Mets like seemingly could fall apart at any moment. Um, and then they're only two and a half games back from the Phillies and they're tied with the Braves. Like, I think this division is still yeah, wide and open. like they have two superstars in Soto and Turner Mm-hmm. Schwarber, Bell, Gomes. Uh, like, you look at their roster up and down, and you go, these are all, like, theoretically good and, players. And Zimmerman's having a rebirth. You talk about another guy who took the year yeah. off. They just brought back Luis Garcia. He could be key because Castro has been bad. And, you know, so has Robles. Those have been the two down spots offensively. But Robles plays because of his defense, and if Garcia could add something offensively and kind of take over that that Castro spot, the bulk of their offense has been above average. So maybe there is a little something here in the summer where they get even better and and, and hit that surge. I didn't realize this many guys were doing well. I, I really thought it was, you know, Schwarber, Soto, Turner, and then a bunch of idiots. But the the question is like, what is a rotation? Which God, has been their strong yes. point. You know, I mean, they don't have Scherzer, though he should be back. I mean, I think Strasburg is probably done. I know he's going to see a specialist. I, think, I have no week. hope there uh, either. Patrick Corbin should just. No. He was amazing I his know, last start. But it was against I, I, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm not building a lot of confidence off that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm at the point right now with Corbin, I need like three straight. And, and, and the one before that, yeah. like only three runs in five innings, but four walks. So it's like, can you string two together first before I before I do anything with? Uh... Yeah, but that line is really deceiving because like he was pitching really, really well and fell apart in the last inning. Which one? The uh, the Tampa Bay start? Oh, no, I'm thinking of the Atlanta I'm, I'm one that, the, that uh, we watched. I'm thinking yeah, of the that's Atlanta exactly one. what yeah. happened. He was great through five and then the sixth inning unraveled on him. The Tampa Bay start was the other way. His first inning was bad, and then he settled mm-hmm. down. So, yeah, you can actually right. find some things in those two starts, and then it culminated with the gem against Pittsburgh, which is Pittsburgh. But here's the thing. I will give him a little credit for that for Corbin because he couldn't get the two of us and seven other guys out for a while there. So you got to hammer Pittsburgh when you get the opportunity. At least he did that. I'm still nervous about him, though, and I'd, I'd keep him at arm's length. And his velocity has been above 91. That's kind of a little cutoff every... for him, right? Anything yeah, and every starts uh, since mid-April. Okay, well, do you think he's a buy? Is Corbin someone you're maybe stashing then? Because he's on wires now. I think he's a watch guy for okay. sure. Um, I mean, I started him in virtually every place I have him, which is like everywhere this week. But it was you know because he was you got going it. Yeah, Pittsburgh. you got to take that shot there. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no sense Correct. in having him. But. Uh, I do think he is, I mean, especially with all the injuries to other guys. I mean, like he he's got to be in play in in most formats. Obviously, ten team in in some twelve team leagues, you could probably just leave him on the wire and kind of, you know, pick your spots yeah. with him, picking him up and streaming him. But, uh, you know, in 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 most twelve team leagues and in fifteen team leagues, I think he needs to be rostered. I think that's fair. I think that's fair for sure with with Corbin. Um... Maybe maybe turning a little bit of a corner, not just with that Pittsburgh start, but there's only one bad inning in those other two starts recently. And if he can iron out that one bad inning, that would uh, turn Corbin mm-hmm. around. Anyway, yeah, I mean he only he only allowed one walk uh, in that Pittsburgh start. I like that too. 
and no 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 home runs in his last two starts. Definitely can get on board with all that with regards to Corbin. Uh, let's move on to Glaber Torres, though. Uh, what's going on with him? <laughs> That's kind of a, a vague question, but it's been essentially league average now dating back to last year. He was at 106 WRC plus last year and 98 this year. You add it all together. Again, it's, it's basically 400 plate appearances and a hundred games of league average work, six homers, five stolen bases in those 402 plate appearances 255 349 355 355 is his slug in that time this is 20 and 21 together for glaber the hell's going on man even if you were very much banging the drum and saying like okay 19 was a little bit you know too much because of the 38 homers he's not quite this guy because of the baltimore stuff or whatever even if you were that person Nobody thought he was a 355 slug, Justin, right? Even his biggest detractors, I don't, I didn't see anybody saying this. So I'm going to say, I don't think any, even his biggest detractors thought this. Yeah, I mean, I, I was one of his biggest I, detractors I never heard you and say, I wasn't Yeah, thinking, I never heard you say uh, no. sub 400 slug. So what the hell's going on? I thought he was a value this year too. because like, uh, and I only have him, I think in one league, but he's been riding my bench in a 12 team. So, so what do you make of the uh, power outage? Because it's substantial now. I think part of it is this is closer to what he actually is. Um, unfortunately, you know, he was never a guy who profiled as like a massive power hitter. Um, and so like when he just destroyed the Orioles for, <laughs> you know, all their games <laughs> in 2019 and racked up like you know, just a crap ton of home runs. Like, like 18, I think, against them. Yeah, it was something it was ridiculous. So, so, um, and by the way, his numbers outside of that, he was like like a 755 OPS. Yeah, it was like ho-hum type of deal. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull up the exact numbers there. So quickly, I, I will point out, there has been like a profile change too. If you look at his batted ball profile, he's come out of the air a bit. Uh, fly ball rates were in the low 40s in 18 and 19, and then 39 last year, 36 this year, and his pull rates have come down in concert with that. So on the ground more, pulling less, those are two things that would eat into power. A lot of middling contact. His his medium hard hit rate uh, is is huge at 63%, so he just hits stuff like decently. Um I don't think he's quite. The, I don't. I don't think he's this guy. I really don't. I think. No, I think he's somewhere in between. I mean, the main issue with him is he has gone from being uh, an aggressive hitter to a passive hitter. Um, you look at his swing percentages. Uh, you know, in in 2019 when he had that huge season, you know, he was swinging 51.8 percent of the time. Last year, he swung 41.9 percent of the time. This year he's ticked it up a little bit, but it's still 46.6% of the time. Um, he still makes good contact. Uh, I think he just needs to be more aggressive. 13 homers against Baltimore in 75 plate appearances. Yeah. So he had 38 homers total. That's so still that's, 25 against everybody but that, else. But that's 34% of his home run total in 12% <laughs> of his plate appearances. 
Now, I don't know what a normal rate is for that, though, but I, I know that that's exceptional, right? We talked about it so much against, and then the Gary Thorne memes of him, like, uh, again, are you kidding me? Like his exasperation. And yeah, that still leaves um, 25 homers against the rest, like you said, but I, I, I can't do the numbers offhand. I you got to you know, do the, do the math of, of getting the Oriole numbers out. But I think it was like a 755 OPS. If I, if I remember off the top of my head, which is like, okay, but not great. So we, we know he's not this guy, right? We don't, we don't believe he's a sub, you know, a, a 350 ISO. Do you look at the 480 or not, not 350 ISO 355 uh, slug? Do you look at the 480 slug of 2018 and say, that's who he should be? Mm, I think he's worse than that. So like um, a four thirty. Like what? Where? Where? Where are you? Yeah, thinking? I think. I think like a yeah four thirty sounds about right. That's eighty points I still mean, though that we got to close the gap on. We also have to remember like the kind of ball we were dealing Great with point. in twenty eighteen and yep. twenty nineteen, and I think he's one of the guys who's been hurt more uh, than maybe others because he doesn't have like that real legit power, um, and so. Like I, I think he's probably a guy who, like, is a high teens, maybe you know, in a good year, a low twenties. But until he gets more aggressive at the plate, he's not going to get to the twenty mark in terms of home runs. Uh, and he's not. I mean, he's stealing a little bit. He's you know, he's got four stolen bases, but he's not like a speed demon by any stretch of the imagination. And the Yankees aren't a team that like extremely push it on the base paths either, considering you know the other members of this lineup. Uh, I think I think what should come up is his batting average. So like I think he could turn into a guy who is, um, like a two seventy two eighty hitter with like seventeen eighteen home runs, seven or eight stolen bases. But that is not what you thought you were getting when you were when you were drafting Glaber Torres in like the seventh eighth round. No, and that's kind of the that's kind of the issue here with Torres is. Like he's so underwhelming. You said he's been riding some of your benches. I have to. I have to ask yeah. though: Are you getting anywhere near cutting him? I don't think I'm getting any anywhere close to cutting him, just because this is going to be a good offense, and I think the counting stats that he should get from just being in this offense, as especially as it gets more healthy, uh, should be good enough to keep him. Uh, you know, viable for 12-team leagues. But I have no problem... Benching him. Uh, benching him and, you know, using him more as a fill-in. The difficult part is, like, he no longer has, like, second-base eligibility, right? So, like, he's just been a shortstop. Yeah. And that's sometimes harder to keep on your bench as a guy like, oh, he can only come up and fill shortstop mm -hmm. for me. No, I, I, think, I think that's... So, fair. I think in 10-team leagues, you can make the argument that... He he should be on a roster, but he doesn't need to be on your yep. roster. Something we talk about a lot, and it, it can be tough because you're like, I don't want to cut this guy, but it's like ten teamers, you got to be burning and churning, and it just might not fit what you've got going uh, the way he's performing. By the way, I do have those numbers now. When you take out the Baltimore numbers from 2019, he does have the 25 homers as we mentioned, but it goes to a 783 OPS. Now, let me give some context there because 783 today feels great. We, we've had to adjust our OPS ranges to where we, we would love a 783 right now, but that would take him from 42nd in qualified OPS down to 87th. 
So his Baltimore numbers did that much for him. And so, you know, I think it's worth pointing out because it was so, so exemplary against Baltimore that we were like, oh my gosh, this guy's a god. And yeah, he's not going to do that against them every year, but he's still a god, and he has not been. It's been rough with with Torres. But I do agree. I think you need to ride this out a bit more. And if you want to bench him, sure. Um, and you got to be you got to be certain on it in a ten team league if you want to make the cut. But that's the only league I could even consider. Ten teams and lower is the only leagues I could consider. I, I think I would try to sell low. I would be open to that. Yes, I would absolutely be open to that. I think I think his name value is still great enough, and he's on the Yankees, where you might be able to recoup some of the lost value, and think people are going to think that they're buying low on him. Take Corbin. Or do you need more? I think I need more, but I think you get Corbin plus. Would you take uh, Charlie Morton, or do you have more confidence in Corbin versus Morton? I don't know. Um, I think that's really close. Would you try to just get Castillo and go low for low, like? Yeah, but I don't think you can get Castillo after last few starts. You have to ask though. But you could probably do Torres and a, and a, piece. And a pitching yeah. piece. I, I think you have to ask because he still has a 583 ERA, and I guarantee there's at least a subset of Castillo folks who are going to say, I can get out now because he's he's opened this window. As opposed to what I think you're saying, and I agree with, here he comes. I think he's on the path to getting back. I think Castillo's working his way back. Others might see this as a temporary reprieve to like sell and get out and buy low on Glaber. So. Go entertain the market there. I'm with you. I would, I would, I would look to sell. I, I, I think even if you don't get quote unquote full value, I think you move on here. All right, let's talk some pitchers in focus. Kenta Maeda. We were going to talk about him uh, on Tuesday. He had just made a start on Monday night, um, and it wasn't too bad. Uh, he's, he, you know, he, he's he's back pitching. Minnesota's a mess in general, but Maeda did have a decent start. Is he going to turn it around? Do you, do you see him kind of getting the feel for his pitches back? He's had a weird season. There was a lot of expectation for him. Um, he walked the bases loaded to open that game, and it's like, oh, boy, here we go again. But then smoothed out the rest of the way. I mean, he did allow three hits in the third inning, but uh, seven strikeouts, th- th- those were the only three walks that he had, three hits, one run in four innings, 76 pitches. They weren't they weren't pushing him too far coming back. Is is Maeda back on track, in your opinion, or or is he somebody that you would sell out on now, now that he's back and you think you can get something? Oh, I, I don't know yet. I think I need to see more. So you, you wouldn't sell um, on this though. Yeah. You, you got to wait. Yeah. I wouldn't sell and I'm not definitely not buying okay. on it. Um, the velocity still isn't quite where we want it. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of holding and I, I want to see a little bit more, uh, after I mean, this starts encouraging, um, but it's also against Correct. Seattle. So, like, it's not. There was a little uh, something it's before not, the IL, though, too. I thought that you know we were turning a little bit of a corner, and I've been pretty keyed in on Maeda. Interestingly, because it's like I got him on a bunch of teams. I just like him, and I've been watching these starts, and it's like you, you're seeing the glimpses of the Maeda coming out in in a bunch of them, like in the Cleveland one right before the IL. A little bit of a shaky start, settled down for the final three innings. In the Oakland one before that, May 16th, great through four, and then melts down in the fifth, 
four four runs on four hits. Um, and then the the two before that, May third, May eleventh, those were both pretty good. So I think we're like, I, I think we're on the cusp here. I would actually go out and try to buy my Ada right now on a discount, and before he fully turns it around, and then the price goes back up because I think you can get a real discount here, and uh, and get him. I mean, like I don't even think you'd have to pay Glaber Torres. I don't, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think if I, if I have Glaber Torres, that'd be a guy that I would look at to go and try to get. I think that would be um, a really nice offer, and I think uh, both teams probably feel good about it, at least initially. Well, they're both getting a name, too, um, you know, so it's like, I know sometimes mm-hmm. there's that name value. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but, like, you want to feel like you're getting something of name value. The hard part... The hard part about a trade like that is if someone drafted Maeda, they drafted him as their number one or number two starting pitcher, and things probably aren't going well in the pitching True, department. True, <laughs> but there's also a lot of scenarios where, yeah, they did that, but now they've got... But maybe, maybe their number one was Woodruff or... Or, or their or number four was Cole. Trevor Rogers, and their number six was Carlos Rodon. And so, you know, Maeda's yeah. failures have not killed them. You know, some, something yeah. like that. So I think... I'm knocking on the door. I'm seeing what's up. I'm starting to see enough from Maeda to where I believe in a turnaround, and I think he could have a good summer. So I would try to jump in now as opposed to waiting for that big, you know, seven-inning, one-run, ten-strikeout outing when the price goes all the way back to the top. So uh, let's stay in the Central. You mentioned this guy briefly as a trade candidate, and I totally agree with you because uh, Casey's fallen off a bit at 30 and 35. Uh, Mike Miner is kind of, you know, if you don't have him on a team, you probably haven't followed the trajectory of his season. It's been a little bit annoying because uh, I have him on like most teams. He was very, very fairly <laughs> priced, and I thought he was a good breakout pick or or not breakout. You know, he's, rebound. Yeah, rebound is the right word there. Breakout. He's 33 years old. He's not breaking out at 33, but I thought he could rebound <laughs> from from the 2020 season because I thought the core skills there were pretty good. And I'm not displeased. It's been fine. But it's like every time he gets rolling, he has a, a crap outing. And they've been against Pittsburgh and Detroit twice, Justin. Yeah, so you Yes, ate of those. course I did. Like, gladly. I put those on my plate and couldn't wait. And Pittsburgh got him for five. Four of them earned in four and a third. Then the Tigers get him for four in six. The eight strikeouts are great, but ten hits. So the whip was shit. And then his start uh, two days ago. Four runs and five and two thirds against the Tigers on seven hits. Like that's okay, but you got to decimate the Tigers, dude. So I'm still using him in in all the leagues I have. I haven't cut him anywhere, but it's just been kind of ho hum. Um, is, is there more here, or is he just going to kind of keep doing that, where he, you know, two steps forward, one back type of deal? Uh I think it's going to be more of the same. I mean, we we play deeper I mean, leagues, so he has more viability. But is, is is he twelve team team streamer for you, or is he full on streamer? Is he nothing? I, I, he's a full on streamer in in twelve. So scoop him, and then you're you're um, open to cutting him to pick up somebody else. Yeah, he's much more interesting in fifteen team leagues where he can volume his way to being Precisely, valuable. And that's why I drafted him in so many fifteen team leagues. Yeah, in, in twelves, this is a, a straight up that's streamer. Fair. Um, and especially with the velocity still working around 91, uh, the amount of hard contact uh, he gives up. Max exit velocity is 114 this year. 
uh, given up a almost 10% barrel percentage, 9.3% barrel percentage, um, especially as things start to heat up mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the amount of fly balls he gives up. I, I think the homers are going to continue to play fair him. Concern. If, uh, if you could put him on, if you could pick his team right now to get traded to, where, where would it be for Mike Miner? Uh, the Mets. For the Mets, okay. You like the park and uh, and set up over yeah. there? National, and then the National yep. League, getting to go up against the pitcher. Uh, or, I mean, San Francisco would be a great spot, too. Oh, I feel like you guys would get, like, a two ERA out of him somehow. I just, like, yeah. you know, you, um, you complain a lot about Cardinals Devil Magic, and you never you never look inward at the, at, 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 at the sorcery, <laughs> Giants, yeah, at the sorcery yeah. going on with what y'all got. The even-year magic that somehow is working. I, I think this is, like... Because we had a shortened season last year, like we didn't get the full exactly. effect of, of even year magic, and it's just carrying over to the front part yeah. of this year. It'll all fall apart as it always does. But um, I mean, I shouldn't say as it always. We got three World Series that you know we didn't necessarily deserve any of them. Um, hey, you, uh, won, but, you won in October um, when it mattered. The team, the team did their thing, so they deserve they deserve yeah. every bit of it. I, it's built like a team that can do it again. Because of but, the pitching, like it's the pitching that has been. It, so it's amazing. funny. I'm sure people are like, "What do you mean buy a pitcher?" I think it'd be smart to get somebody like Mike Miner though, because you're going to need reinforcements. Yeah. Just because you're dealing with an, a veteran staff, and you just got to be smart. That all has yeah, injury like history, big like, time. Ev- I mean, outside of Gosman, they all have like major. In- I mean, we're talking about Alex Wood, Logan Webb, Anthony Descalfani, Johnny Cueto. Like, yeah, I mean. I think he, I think you know, especially a guy that you're not going to have to pay a ton of assets because, like the Giants, they're in the hunt, but there's no way they're giving up any major part of their future. No, and he wouldn't cost it, that either. Like Mike Miner, I know yeah, he has exactly. time. He's not just a rental, so it'd be something, but it's not. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got two more years on his contract. You know, 2023 is a club option, but considering like Ramos I mean, or anything like it's not going to be some major prospect to get like no, no no so i i think that would actually be a, a sharp move and obviously we love that park um honestly any of the top three nl west teams would not bother me i mean a really good spot for him would be tampa bay i agree but you he'd know, probably but... start pitching like two and two thirds in the middle of games or some crap <laughs> no they need I, I know. one horse like it only works with yeah, one horse right. what they and, do and they would probably let him be and glass now was yeah, the guy he'd be the seven inning guy because that that is something that minor can do volume is there and you said volume his way to success that is precisely what i was thinking when i took him in the 15s is like he's he was in my bank of guys who could go 200 this year i i don't think he's mm-hmm. necessarily going to be babied if he's healthy and going Mike Miner's going. So, um, yeah, you, you pair him with a guy like, I mean, like a guy like Hendricks or a guy like Yarbrough or someone like that that can help you stabilize the ratios. And then you get kind of the volume strikeouts. Yeah, just by pitching seven innings every time out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we like Miner. Yeah. Uh, for deeper leagues, we play a lot of deeper. If you're in the tens, you can maybe spot him here and there, but be warned. Sometimes he likes to be mediocre as hell against the weakest teams. <laughs> he plays down to mm-hmm. his competition and it can be annoying. Um, Anthony Descafani, you just briefly mentioned him as a giant. I want to put him in focus a little bit because he's been excellent. 
And, you know, Gosman's getting the big run out there, understandably. He has a 143 ERA. But let's give Descofani some love, man. 301 ERA, 103 whip, 71 strikeouts and 80 and two-thirds. Not a huge strikeout guy, but he has two shutties on the year. Um, the most recent one was at Washington, two-hit shutout. And then he had another one against Colorado, uh, three hit shutout back in April, and so he's got he's got them both the 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 long way, man. These are not seven inning double header shutouts. These are the real deal, big time volume right now. Where does Anthony Descafani's innings count end on the year, though? What what, what can they really get out of this thirty one year old who, you know, ha- has some full seasons under his belt, but has had some injuries for sure. Uh, one one sixty six and two thirds on thirty one starts back in twenty nineteen. Uh, only pitched a little bit last year, thirty three and two thirds. He is 31, though, so it's not like he necessarily needs to be babied. What kind of innings count do you think your team gets from Duskofani? Mm, that's a really good question. Let me, let me give you an over-under, then, and, and frame it that way. 165. Over. 170. He. Over. 180. Oh, I think that. I take the and we're, under we're obviously arm. assuming a measure of health uh, off off the rip, off rip here. I mean, if we're assuming a measure of health, he's going over 180. Um, I, th- I mean, I think it comes down to health with him uh, because he's he's pitching so well and he's pitching so efficiently. Yeah, it's been super impressive. Again, <laughs> two shutouts yeah. uh, that really stands out. You know, what's funny too is he also has one of the worst starts of the year. The the. Te- yeah, if you take out that one start, his ERA is one ninety six. Yeah, the fact that he has a three hundred one with the tenor and run in two and two thirds against the Dodgers, yeah. but you could have very reasonably missed that too. By the way, it, mm-hmm. I don't think Descofani has necessarily been just set it and forget it in people's lineups. There are definitely people who are managing him, and he had a back to back situation against the Dodgers that people could have feasibly skipped in a lot of leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, now the tough part is you would have had to miss the uh, the Cincinnati start before that because that was a two-start week, a Tuesday-Sunday situation. So you probably took on that challenge saying, well, I want to get the, you know, I want to get the two-start here. I'll take a chance against the Dodgers and it burned you. But I bet there were some folks who said, I'm not sending him back to Cincinnati where he was a home run machine and getting the Dodgers. And they would have skipped that week. So yeah, they would have missed the good Cincy mm-hmm. start, but they would have avoided the, they would have avoided the landmine too. So he's been great. And, uh, I, I just wanted to bring him up and talk about how 80 and two thirds of really good work. You think he can go over 180 with health? I agree. I don't think I don't think the Giants are going to pull him back much. If he's going well and, and maintaining this kind of efficiency, I think they let him ride. Yeah, I mean, he has done 180 innings before. He did 184 uh, and two thirds back in 2015. Uh, I mean, 2019 he hit 166 and two thirds. I mean, I think there's a reasonable chance that he can uh, get to to 180 uh, as long as he's healthy. And I think right now there's no reason to think that he can't stay healthy. Like, health hasn't been, like, the big issue necessarily with Descalfani over the course of his career. Exactly. Homers is what... And pitching in San Francisco has been fantastic Yeah, no, he's been been Uh, awesome. He he really has. Um, And the home run rate down to .9... Not a career best. He had a .8 back in 2015, but 
he's pitching the best that we've ever seen him. And it's been, it's been fun to watch. So uh, that's Anthony Descofani. Let's play a little holder fold here. We had four guys, but we're going to cut it to two because we're, we're up against it a little bit time-wise. But let's start with your mean Mercedes, and we'll, and we'll go with and without the catcher eligibility. Let's start without because the vast majority of leagues, he does not have catcher eligibility uh, for your mean Mercedes. Obviously, he was you know one of the hottest stories to start the season. It was a lot of fun. He went in quite a funk. And uh, it is still in it, really. If you if you want to be uh, if you want to be honest about it, here he had a 911 OPS through his first 45 games. He has a 319 in the 16 games since. Uh, he's just six for his last 56. That's a 107 average with five ribbies and five runs. So he's hit a funk. Uh, the question, of course, will be, you know, does he adjust out of it? But are you cutting your mean Mercedes in non-catcher eligible leagues? Um, I don't think I'm cutting him, but I'm definitely not playing him. Uh, he, he's hitting my Got bench. bench. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> this is hard. I mean, he was so good. And the overall line I was gonna still say, looks pretty good. Even with good. those 16 games, you're looking at a 280, 336, 422. That tells you the foundation that he set because that's it's been horrific these last two weeks. And yet. You look at this bottom line and you're still pretty pleased. We had to have expected some sort of smoothing out. And and it's it's been, you know, it's been as bad as it was good initially. But sometimes that happens. I just wonder, is there a cutoff where, okay, now he adjusts back and gets gets on track, or has he been fully figured out? I think that's the question with Mercedes that's tough to answer, right? Yeah, I mean, I think what's happening right now is pitchers aren't going to the zone on him. So they're 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 trying they're getting him outside of the zone, uh, and he needs to kind of get back to his patient approach, which worked so well really early on in the season, where you know he forced pitchers to kind of come and attack him mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and uh, because you know, I mean, right now, like over the course of this month, I think he's swinging outside of the zone about thirty eight percent of the time. And for context, what's what's like a good rate? Um, let's see. Or something. I, I yeah, didn't, I didn't it's about it. twenty-five. I, I, I wasn't sure if you knew it offhand. I can I can look it up uh, real quick. So the O swing O swing percentage for the league is thirty-one okay. percent, which is higher than it usually is. So and he's at um, thirty-eight recently. You said. Yeah, he's about thirty-eight and a half, I believe, uh, over the course of June. It's not so great for your and league. I mean, yeah. So I, I think he needs to get a little bit more patient. I mean, he's a guy who's, he just swings, um, you know, I mean, it's his, his, his O-swing for the season. Yeah. His O-swing for the year is actually 42.7%. So was he just making a lot of contact on the outside, uh, out of zone pitches early on? Yeah. He was, his, his O contact was 76%. Holy crap. And for context, that's, that is like, you said 76%, that's 15 points higher than league average yeah. for O contact. That's out of the zone contact. He was just hitting everything. Um, so I think he needs, yeah, maybe he actually doesn't need to get <laughs> more. Uh, I think he might just need to get, just kind of swing his way out of it. I, I, I actually um, think that that's. Which is probably what he's doing, which is what he's trying yeah, to do right I think now. That is the actual solution for him, weirdly enough, for yeah. Mercedes. Um, so, okay, with, with the fur, uh, just just to make sure that you're still on the same page here. With the further deep dive, are are you still benching him and not cutting him 
in in non-catching eligible leagues. Okay. Yes. So you're I still think comfortable so. with that. I get that. Now I know you're not cutting him in catcher leagues, uh, obviously, because that makes it, it. No, no, I think you're still holding on to him in catcher quite leagues. a bit. So he's been. I'm, I'm looking at Rasball Yahoo Player Raider, um, where he does have the catcher eligibility. He's been sixth thus far, and then in their rest of season, they have him fourth uh, for Mercedes among catchers. Yeah, above Will Smith, Yasmani Grandal, Christian Vasquez, like obviously a bunch of. Uh, over a bunch of ton of guys, but I'm just surprised that it's uh, over those guys specifically. So my question becomes now in a Yahoo league, would you go trade for Mercedes as a catcher? Would you try to buy when things are going, you know, worse? Uh, mm, I don't think okay. I would. I mean, it depends on who my catcher was, What? what if but you, I mean, especially if we're talking about most Yahoo leagues are one catcher yeah. formats. What if you just lost a, uh, what if you lost Ramos to a DFA, which, by the way, I, I forgot to put on the on the rundown there. That was kind of shocking. Which is so Dude, I was weird. so shocked yeah. by that. Uh, let's say you had him, though. You had the good start, and you've been piecing it together since. So you don't really have a set catcher. Maybe you have Eric Haas filling in or something. Um, if you're kind of piecing it together, would you be interested in, in trading for Mercedes? Or are you still going to just piece it together? I think it depends on the cost. If I can get him for like a cheap price... You know, someone who's really freaking out over like kind of like the the, you know, just how cold he's yeah. gone. Um, then yeah, I, I think that that's a difficult trade to to pull off. Often, usually you have to be the one who's getting offered yeah. it because like when you offer like, hey, I want you know your guy who's super hot in the season, but it's you know slowed down now. Here, I want to trade for him. Like that is like. That just comes off as super flag, shady. Like, you know, you're buying in. Okay, uh, twelve yeah. team catcher or twelve team Yahoo, where he has catcher eligibility, so it's one catcher. Would you trade? Would you trade Patrick Sandoval for him? Or is that enough? Is that maybe not enough? Um, I think that's fair, actually. I really like. Yeah, Sandoval. I do too. Nick, Nick put me on him a few years ago, and he's stayed on my radar since. Mm-hmm. Um, so credit to Nick yeah, Pollock yeah. on Nick, him Nick, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Nick has been a huge Sandoval In- Interestingly, stand he doesn't like him as much th- these days. I, I don't know. I don't oh, know if really? he's changed <laughs> in the very recent, but like coming into this year, he'd backed off him a bit because of some changes that, you know, Sandoval was not developing to the degree that, that he thought. Um, I would like to get a check-in with him on Sandoval though, because now that he's picked up. Well, and I mean, the hard part with Sandoval is like, they just didn't seem to want to put exactly, him in rotation. Exactly, so annoying. Um, so yeah, but he's not there. The whole thing about him, but I thought maybe I feel like that could maybe get the job done if if you you know if you happened upon Sandoval and your pitching's been great, but catcher's been a nightmare for you. I, I might do that deal. Yeah, especially. Um, I mean, it it would have to be like a package deal. Okay, I'm trading you my catcher. I'm trading you Eric Haas and Sandoval for Mercedes and. I don't know, random reliever yeah, or something yeah. like that. I, I, I think something like that. That works. What? Well, let's ask about our other cut guy then. Probably not. The name value is higher, but I'm going to give you the numbers before you automatically dismiss it. What about Tyone for, for your mean Mercedes? Jameson Tyone for your mean Mercedes? Because I want to know if you're holding or folding with him. And his five, excuse me, 574 ERA, 137 whip. He does have 58 strikeouts and 53 and a third. But Jamison Tyon, man, it's been tough. And I, between he and Kluber, I was much more bought in on, on Tyon than Kluber. 
and obviously Kluber got hurt, but I, I it was from a skill standpoint. So I, I can't even pretend that like, oh, I, you know, I thought Kluber would get hurt. No, no, no. If you had told me both of staying healthy, I'm taking Tyone from a skill standpoint. Kluber was much better before getting hurt. In fact, they actually have the same 53 in the third innings uh, count right now. So is Tyon a hold or fold for you? And then if he's a fold, would you do the, I imagine you would do the Yermin trade. So assess with Tyon, hold or fold. Oh, um, and, and I'll let, I'll let you off. I'm, oh, on. You don't have to answer for 15s. Cause I feel like you have to keep an asset like that for 15s. Yeah. And 15s you're, you've you, got you can to bench hold him, on but to Tyon. I, I don't think you can cut him in 15. There just isn't enough out there. So we're talking 12s and lower. He's been like a different guy. I know, in New York. I know. Like, I mean, he's a comp- and I don't know if this is because of all the injuries. Like, he's, um, but I mean, he has been just a completely different guy. The the ground ball rate is down to thirty four percent. He's giving up homers, which has never been a real issue for him. But I mean, he has pitched in Pittsburgh, so maybe that you know he, he the park kind of. Uh, soften some of that uh a little bit you know pitching in pnc and now that he's pitching new york pitching in the al east the homers have become more of an issue but i mean it's it's really been the fly balls i mean his fly ball percentage uh in 2019 was 27 percent, and that's around where it was all throughout his major league career in yeah. pittsburgh it's 47 percent. it's been year. it's been big and you know, there's there's a jump in infield fly ball rate, but not enough to counterbalance the 20-point no. surge in fly ball rate for Tyone. And then, not coincidentally, he has a 1-7 homer 9. And so, and, and the blow-up starts are what's killing me, man. It's like, anytime he s- seems to get going, there's a disaster waiting around the corner where he doesn't make it through five and gives up a bunch of runs. Now, this was this most recent start was the worst of the bunch, a third of an inning, four runs. But, I mean, he's consistently failing to go five as well. I don't know, man. I think 10s and 12s, you can cut Tyone. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, he sh- probably should. He should be a streamer in 10 and 12 team leagues. Um, yeah, this is like this feels like a complete approach yes. change that has just it's not backfired. Worked. Because, I mean, what one of the things he did so well uh, when he was healthy, was pitched to a lot of contact. It got him out of innings quicker. It was weaker contact. It was on the ground. Uh, I mean, he had, you know, uh, he's before this season, he had never had a season in which his ground ball percentage went below 45%, yeah. 46%. You know, we got, we got, and, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead and finish that. No, no, just, I mean, this year he is letting everything in the air. And, that's just not going to work in the AL East. Not when you're going up against Toronto, Boston, and Boston. Go, going to like Camden, just, no way, dude. No yeah. way. I mean, even Tampa Bay has got some. Yeah, power. yeah. You don't want to like, <laughs> like the trop doesn't scare you or anything, but you don't want to face that team and and be a home run machine. Um, I, I, I'm with you there. You know, we we got the strikeouts up to 25, percent but at what cost? I, I'd rather go back to the 22 percent mm-hmm. with everything else that he used to do. I agree with you. This is just not the Jamison Tyon that we're used to. And as such, he's absolutely a streamer. And I would do the Yermin deal if uh, if I could do that in a Yahoo League and get Yermin the catcher. I got to be honest, the Yermin player might say no thanks. 
Yeah. Right? And I, I wouldn't no. blame them. So it's not even surefire that you could get that done, but I would at least offer it there. And I do think you have to consider uh, moving on from Tyon. It's a big name, but that doesn't necessarily – that's not going to do you any good uh, unless you count uh, count big name players. If, if that's a category, then by all means. But I don't think it is. Uh, all right. Let's finish up here with our waiver pickup suggestion of the week. It's It's still relatively early, right? So things change over the weekend. But we are on a Thursday, and we can start to look at our leagues and see some guys that could be available. We do play deeper leagues. These are going to be deeper picks, generally speaking. And uh, let's start with yours. You got you got a couple of arms here, and I'm intrigued by both. So let, let's let's talk about them and uh, let us know who you're who you're focusing in on as potential waiver pickups this week. So I mean, this I did two because I wanted to give one for now and one Correct. for later. I like it. So Chris Flexen is the one for now. He's coming off his best start, uh, and his next start uh, is a good one. Uh, he's got Colorado at home. We love that. So, uh, and that that's on Tuesday because they run a six-man rotation and they've got a day off next week. Uh, he uh, he won't get like a two-start or anything, but he could theoretically in two weeks line up for a two-start. Yes. Yes, pitch at the um, very beginning of the week to do it, but yeah, and he just pummeled yeah. Minnesota like flexing. Yeah, eight scoreless against them, four hits, no walks. I believe a career high strikeout. Yeah, eight punches to go with it. He was great, down to a four twelve ERA. Um, he has like a mega disaster on his ledger. The eight earned in an inning and two thirds against San Diego, but otherwise he's been pretty good this year. And again, going back to what we were talking about with uh, with Descofani. Chris Flexen's even lower tier, so you could have very easily avoided that outing, that San Diego outing, and you so you would have a sub four ERA from him if you've been streaming him. Um, are we, we're picking him up as a team streamer for Flexen. Yeah, I think as a team I think streamer. So too. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he's gone at least six innings in each one of his last four starts. And that's saying something because they haven't all been great starts. No, but he he survived against Oakland. Uh, he had the one disaster inning. All five runs came in one inning, and then he went out and threw three more quality quality innings, and that was impressive. I watched him in the Detroit start, um, just just solid. Had one bad inning uh, where he gave up two of the three runs on three hits, but was pretty good. I, I like Flex, and I thought he was a good waiver or uh, good reserve pickup this year, and he's been pretty decent. The strikeouts are very low. Uh, we love the eight strikeouts that we saw here against Minnesota, but he's not a big strikeout guy. Three, three, six, one, zero, two, zero were his counts before that. Um, so, you know, that's not what you're getting here. But while we love strikeouts, it doesn't mean that the absence of them means the player is unpickupable, you know? So good call on 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 Flex in there. Definitely a team streamer. I like this uh this stash here that you're that you're focused on too. Give us give us your second guy. Yeah, Luis Pacino, and he's he's down in in AAA. They sent him down uh, after he came off of the IL. He's looked really good in AAA uh, uh, since being sent back down there. And uh, I mean, there's just the, the sky's the limit. Was the send down to stretch him out? Do we think? I, I mean, I think it's service time well, games yeah, too because yeah. it's Tampa, it's Tampa Bay. Bay. So, I, I I mean just. They need to add to that rotation, and uh, they're not a team that's going to give up a ton of assets to go get a, like a major piece. You know, they they might be in play for a guy like Miner, maybe even a guy like Kyle Gibson or something yeah. like that. Uh, 
uh, at the you know at the deadline. But with Glass now going down, they're gonna need to bring Patino back up here at some point. And I mean, he, you know, sporting a over thirty percent strikeout rate, a six percent walk rate this year at the majors. Um, I I just think that you know if you're looking for upside and you're looking for something long term, at some point I think they're gonna with the injury issues, uh, and then the other guys in that rotation, you know, Rich Hill isn't going to stay healthy what do forever. You mean? He always uh, does. <laughs> I just traded for him in a league where I'm making a, a 30 team league where I make a playoff push. And I'm like, please just keep please, it together. Please, man. It's been, it's been so good. It, he's Yarbrough has been quietly really good yeah, recently. Getting back on track there as well. But it's, Oh, please just stay healthy. Rich. It's fun watching Rich Hill pitch. Even when I don't have him on fantasy teams, I just like that. He's out there do, doing his thing at, 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 at his old age and, and pitching really well. Uh, but yeah, Patino is a good call out, especially in light of the Rendon injury or not Rendon. Oh, I don't, I don't know why I said Rendon glass now, not even on the same team, just randomly had Anthony Rendon yeah. in my brain. Or yeah, position like, not or, related yeah. in any way, shape or form. But anyway, um, with the, with the glass now injury that could create an opening and Patino could be a guy to, uh, to get some innings there. And we talk about this all the time with the Rays. I know, but if they give him an opener, he becomes, you know, a wins eligible guy uh, pitching four innings in the middle there. Frankly, that's preferable because I don't want four innings at the front end of a game, throw an opener on for him and then uh, and then let Patino rack up some uh, some sneak wins. So good calls there with Chris Flexen and Luis Patino. They should be in focus for your uh, for your waiver pickups this week. I went with Bobby Bradley on Cleveland and. I'm kicking myself a little bit, Justin, that that I didn't jump this past weekend. I considered it, and then I didn't do that. And now I think he's going to be a bit more focused on, especially if he has a couple weekend homers, and it's going to drive the price up. But I think he he lasted a lot in leagues this week because he's UT eligible or UT only. He's going to have first base, or he's starting to get it in leagues, depending on what your threshold is. Uh, he will have it. Sooner than later, he has seven games, five starts right now. So, like I said, some leagues will he'll already register, but he'll be there. But 393, 452, 786. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's tearing the cover off the ball to start. I do think he's like a solid power hitter, though. I think he's got, you know, 30 homer power type of deal. And, um, you know, the batting average will be decent. I don't think it's going to be great. I think he's more of like a 240 type hitter, but with the real power. And I don't believe in these strikeout gains that he has. He has a 19% strikeout rate, but a 17% <laughs> swing strike rate. I don't buy yeah. it at all. That's why I say 240 is like the high end for his average. Um, but the power is real, and people can always use power in the middle of a lineup. I don't love that lineup, but I'll take I'll take guys in the middle of lineups with with transcendent power. So I think he can be a 30 homer type dude, and I like Bobby Bradley, and I'll be focusing on him this week. Yeah, I mean, I I may have been the biggest guy in the industry on him coming up through the minors. Like I had Bobby Bradley on on every single uh, dynasty league team. He was a guy that I was actively trying to go and get. The problem has been strikeouts. I mean, he has struck out at a thirty percent rate all throughout AAA, and the reason why he has spent like four years yeah. at AAA. No, it, it, it's it's um, just it's been too much. He's yeah, he's gonna he's gonna strike out a ton. That being said, he's done a really, really good job of making good zone contact. We love like that. 82% is right below league average, so therefore for a power hitter, 
um, is fantastic. We're, we're, we're very, uh, we're very pleased with, with, with what he can do there. Can he be consistent yeah. though? The problem is he swings outside of the zone, uh, you know, quite a bit, um, 34% uh, outside of the zone. No, I mean, I think he's going to be one of those streaky power hitters. It, like, do, does I, do I think he has the power for 30 home runs? Absolutely. Um, Will he ever get to 30 home runs? Absolutely. Absolutely not. not. Oh, I don't know that I would dismiss it fully out of hand. I, I understand your 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 trepidation, but I, th- I think I think you're going a little aggressive there, just dismissing it completely. Yeah, I mean, maybe not absolutely not, extremely unlikely not. That that's fair. I I, under, I understand that um, because. Again, we've seen this this type of profile before. We know we know the volatility that it can breed, and so yeah, I, I get it from that angle. But I uh, I, I, I got to take a shot here. You know, you see this kind of power come onto the wire. Mm-hmm. I think you do have to take a look at it, and uh, especially for your power starved teams. But he's Bradley strikes me as a guy that like most teams can use him, unless your power is just so great and you need batting average. But then good luck, by the way, getting batting average off waiver wires. He's He's in many ways um, a more powerful version of Daniel Fogelbaum. I think that's fair. I think that's perfectly fair. Or, yeah, yeah, I think. So strong side platoon at first base with a bunch of power. He, he might um, even I mean, just even be Vogel. right now. I, I, I think I think it's fair yeah. to even just say. I, he's got more power in his bat than Vogelbaum. You think so? Like, yes, I do. I absolutely I do. Thought, I thought Vogelbach had like damn near 80 power. No, no, no. Vogelbach's not an 80 power He's guy. An 80 stomach. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate He's a the brain. fellow. He looks like a softball player. Mm-hmm. He's that softball player who, like, lingers around the yard trying to pick up in every game. Mm-hmm. He has uh, all of the gear. Yeah, so, like, Fangraph's prospect report gave him a 60-grade oh, raw has a 70. Vogelbach. So, more powerful. Yeah. And, and a 45 to 50 game power i like that though more powerful brad well and also you know to that point uh more powerful vogelbach i should say um he's also maintained he, he might be able to maintain a better batting average against righties so if you are able to like legit platoon him on your fantasy team even with bradley you might be able to finagle like a 260 average possibly if you're really getting him out that you know making sure that he does not face lefties uh, especially if you're in a daily league situation but yeah i like bradley i'll be taking a look at him and uh you know each week we'll try to give some guys that we're at least starting to look at the weekend changes a lot but thursday is usually when i start to uh at least go into my leagues and start clicking some guys over to the uh to the to the pickup side so chris flexen luis patino bobby bradley justin that's going to do it for us for this week Enjoy the Matt Manning Shohei Otani duel tonight. I'm excited for it. Can't and, wait. And uh, we'll be talking next week. Take it easy.